Happy Tuesday, church family. Uh, this is Ezra chapter 3, part 2. Uh, you recall that um, for our uh, applicational thought for this week, as we look through this chapter, it's about just true worship. What does true worship look like? And um, how does and what does God expect uh, from us if we want to truly worship him? Uh, God is a God that uh, need, uh, God made us to be worshipers, and God made us does originally, uh, God made Adam and Eve to worship him, and God has a specific way in which he wants us to worship him. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at today. What does true worship look like? Uh, today, in particular, true worship, our first application point for us to think about is that true worship is defined by God. We see that in verse 1 to 7 in chapter 3. Now when the seventh month came, and the sons of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then Joshua the son of Jehozadak, and his brother the priest, and Zerubbabel the son of Sheatel, and his brothers arose and built the altar of the, of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it written in the law, the, main, the, the man of God. So they set up the altar on its foundation, for they were terrified because of the peoples of the lands, and they were, and they offered burnt offering on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. They celebrated the feast of booths, as is written, and they offered a fixed number of burnt offerings daily, according to the ordinances as each day required. Um, you'll notice that uh, all the things that they're doing in terms of the altar, the feast of booths, um, all these sacrifices, they do they do it in. Um, because it is what is written in the in the law of God. We see in verse two, we see it in verse th- four as well, and even verse ten later on, where uh, they did all of the things by directions of, of of things that they've seen before or they've read in Scripture. And uh, this shows that these people were faithfully um, doing what is pleasing to the Lord. These were the right people. The, the priests were there. Uh, they offered the right sacrifices. They gave, they had the right heart, and they had the um, they even did it for the right amount of time. And all of these things were pleasing to the Lord. Uh, all these sacrifices were made intentionally as a way to uh, show that they've made a, uh, that they have a right relationship with the Lord, that they've repented, that they've, um, that they realize and see God's faithful hand in bringing them all back into the land. I said last week that, uh, First Peter tells us that we are actually a kingdom of priests. Uh, we are not like the Old Testament priests in the sense of, offering any animal sacrifices that's all gone and done away with but we are to offer our lives and even our prayers up to the lord um our lives should be different um the bible speaks uh the reason why we have scripture is to, it's supposed to teach us how we're supposed to live uh not only to know god but how to live in a way that's pleasing to him uh so how can we worship the lord in our personal lives i think the most obvious ones are um and it's just holiness, right? The first thing that we need to do, how we can offer our entire life as a living sacrifice to the Lord, is that we live. We need to live holy lives. Um, uh, you, you know the passage in First Peter. We are called to be holy because God is holy. And every other passage you see in Scripture that it's, that it's a, a command from the Lord. Let's say, for example, in First uh, Timothy, we're called. First Timothy two, we're called to pray for our leaders. We're called to um, uh, make, make petitions for those that uh, rule over us so that we can um, live a quiet and tranquil life. Um, later on in First 
Timothy 5, where they were even instructed for young people when they want to rebuke an older man uh, to, to not do it in a harsh way, but do it in a way that's like appeal to from a son to a father or a younger man to uh, to their brothers. Uh, there's a way in which we talk with one another. There's a way in which we uh, engage one another in our own personal lives and uh, to each other. First Thessalonians 4 tells us that the will of God is that we abstain from sexual sin. Um, all the commands that you see in Scripture, every single one of them, if you apply these things to your life, um, you should apply it out of a love for the Lord. And out of that uh, love, you will uh, gradually grow to look more like Christ, which is the perfect standard for all of us. And uh, Christ and God are one, and they're the standard of holiness. Um, that's how we can worship him in our personal lives. Uh, another practical example is just the way that we uh, live our lives to the world. Um, in our personal worship, we, we live out before a watching world. That's why in First Timothy 3, one of the qualification of elders is that we are, that elders and pastors have a good reputation with outsiders. Um, that when outsiders um, know who these elders and pastors are, they can say, oh yeah, this guy is a follower of Jesus Christ. I can see in his conduct and the, the way that he uh, the way that he live out his life is, is a reflection of things that he teaches, which is from God's word. Um, Philippians 2 tells us not to, 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 not to grumble and complain while we uh, do anything, because uh, when we are faithful in that way, uh, we become a light to the world. Matthew, uh, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're called to be lights, uh, and, sh- and, and people should know us by our good deeds. In other words, uh, we uh, can worship the Lord and are faithful to him and, and, and we represent him to a watching world. Um, and it really comes down to the golden rule, right? The, 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 the chief commandment for us is to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength and love others as ourselves. And when we do that, when we truly love God, we will do anything and everything that is pleasing to him. And oftentimes as loving other people. So that's how we could do it individually in our personal lives. We live holy lives, we have a good testimony with uh, outsiders, and uh, we love. And ultimately, it just comes down to we just love God and love other people. What about corporately, though? What about corporately? As a church, um, we know that we uh, we have uh, commands in Scripture about those things as well. In fact, most of the New Testament are written not necessarily uh, how we engage. Uh, outsiders, but really first primarily to those that are inside the church. Um, Pastor Roger is doing the One Another series. That's a good example of how we can um, live differently from the world. You know, the world may have a superficial understanding of caring for one another, bearing one another's burdens, or um, or uh, denying yourself to, to care for other people. But as a Christian, we understand that we're willing to do anything and everything for one another because our fellow brothers and sisters has been bought with a price. Um, so, you know, those one another passages uh, are one ways in which we can worship the Lord and honor him in uh, in the way that we meet together. Another way that we honor the Lord is through our ordinances, uh, baptism and communion. We, uh, we, ha- we want to do those things faithfully. Um, we want to baptize people who are new uh, believers who have given their life to the Lord. And we want to do communion because communion is... Uh, a way for us to remember what the Lord has done on our behalf while he died on the cross. We do these ordinances regularly because we want, uh, because that's what Christ commands us. The scripture tells us that we need to baptize people and that we need to do communion. Um, one other way in which we can worship the Lord corporately is a church discipline. 
don't know if you ever thought about that. Church discipline in Matthew 18 tells us that we need to, um, basically, uh, for a person who's unrepentant of their sin, we need to confront them individually. And if that person, if that doesn't work, then we bring someone else along. If that doesn't work, then, they, then the elders are brought in. And if that person doesn't repent, then they're removed from the, from the, from the church body. Um, and part of the reason why that is, is not necessarily because, oh, we want people to behave like with how we behave. Um, but no, it's for the purity of the church. Uh, scripture tells us that uh, bad company corrupts good morals. And if there's someone in the church that tolerates sins and living in sin and is not addressed, then um, then that sin will become pre- prevalent throughout the church. We see this in First Corinthians where, uh, where individuals didn't call each other out for their sins. And uh, Paul tells them that, that this is wrong, that like you have all the sexual sin going on and you're not confronting them. You're allowing sin to enter into the church. Um, you know, that's how that's one way we can uh, worship corporately, because we take sin seriously. Um, and some other thoughts that we can that makes us distinct is we sing. We sing not songs about ourselves. We sing songs revolving around the Lord. Uh, we offer our voices to him. Uh, corporately, uh, we sing to Him uh, when we, you know, we understand uh, how great of a God He is and how much how undeserving we are for what He's done for us. Um, so that's how we would worship the Lord corporately in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, and, and really in both terms of the way that we worship personally and corporately, we basically just have to do what the Bible tells us, um, just like what was going on in Ezra chapter three. These people knew what scripture had to say, and they just kept offering the sacrifices according to the scriptures. And understand that these things, these sacrifices are not like like what we think like a micro, we just put it in and like press a few buttons and it turns on. No, these animal sacrifices, they, they did everything right. They did exactly how the in Leviticus and Numbers, um, when they gave up all these uh, commands of what you need to do with the different body parts, how you cut them in half, how you handle the, the animals, and what kind of animals, they did all of these things exactly uh, according to scripture um, again because true worship is defined by god it's true, it's defined by god and it's directed to god true christians can only worship god faithfully according to god whether it's in our personal lives or in public worship it must always be according to the word of god uh, there are many church christian churches out there that compromise their doctrine and moral purity and it muddles christianity and, and makes it ineffective for gospel purposes uh recently nine marks had this um they did this little research on their own where this article where the author said he uh listened to 12 sermons from six mega church pastors or no 12 sermons from 12 mega uh, uh mega church pastors and he said a majority of them did not even understand or articulate uh or not unable uh, to articulate the gospel and if they did art, uh, articulate it was really shallow and superficial um and it's no wonder that these mega churches are losing its members or or or, or diving into sin because they don't know the gospel um they don't even have the basic premise right but yet the reason why these big churches exist is because they want to do church not according uh to scripture they may get the numbers for a while uh but when the excitement and the and the pragmatism fades, eventually they'll have nothing left. And then that's when the church usually closed down after a while, or they're just constantly trying to find new gimmicks and new ways to, to please and entertain the people as opposed to instruct their minds on how to know and worship God. Most churches, um, 
don't lack, uh, don't, don't, most churches don't look like how the scripture describes a church to be. Um, I think when we even think of uh, what's going on now with our current day events, a lot of churches are willing to uh, behave like the world. And that's not, uh, they can't expect the world, the non-believing world can't expect the church to look like them. Otherwise, why do they need church? The, the church should be distinct. Uh, there's another research uh, recently that talked about how a lot of liberal churches are closing because a lot of liberal churches are saying things like, well, you can worship whatever God you want. And it loses that exclusivity and, and it's to the point where like, those just wonder, well, then why do I need to go to your church? Why can't I just go to the Buddha temple or go to the mosque or uh, whatever uh, other religious um, place? Um, if it's If Christianity is just like, the same level as all the other religions, and then, you know, eventually, uh, Christianity will lose its distinctions, and people will stop going to the Lord. So for us as Christians, we must always hold fast to the Word of God. We must always be faithful to um, to what the Lord instructs us, both in terms of our personal lives and our corporate life, and in our corporate gathering. We must always have a mindfulness of how we are individually and corporately and. You know, there should always be, when we think of ministry and, um, as well as ministry and even like in our own personal, uh, lives, we just ask ourselves, is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this what God expects of me in my singleness, in my marriage, as a student, as, um, as a, as a churchgoer, uh, as a member of the church? Are these things found in scripture or are they just my own opinions? If it's your opinion, that's okay. Just, understand that's not authoritative but if it is in scripture if it's an instruction by uh, the word of god that's something we must submit to um, because that's how we do true worship because it's defined by god and it's directed to god uh, that's it for today i hope that uh, as you think about your day today think about that like the things that you do if everything is uh, supposed to be as an act of worship how are you doing these things um, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And when you, uh, in your life today, um, how can you do the things that you do, so the seemingly mundane things, uh, in a way that's pleasing to Him? Um, so that's for today. That's some food for thought. Tomorrow, uh, we'll look at true worship is exclusive. Uh, true worship is an exclusive, uh, devotion to our Lord. Uh, thank you for listening. I will see you guys tomorrow.